Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, author of Chicken Factor, Chicken Poop, National Spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds Program and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends at Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, Our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. How would you like to sleep in on the weekends without having to get up early to let your chickens out or not have to rush home after eating dinner to shut your chickens in for the night? And who's had the unfortunate surprise that a raccoon, possum, or fox got to your chickens because you forgot to close the coop? Well, your days of worrying have come to an end. Introducing the Chicken Guard Automatic Chicken Coop Door Opener. Working off either the timer or light sensor, Chicken Guard automatically opens your coop door in the morning to let the girls out and shuts it at night to keep them safe. Tried and trusted by over 40,000 users worldwide. Buy Chicken Guard online at chickenguardian.com or your local farm and feed store. That's chickenguardian.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. 
Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty. Thank you very much for staying with us today. On Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, Happy New Year 2018 is here and among us. And um, ha, reminds me of my son. He's six, and uh, we go out in the woods and go hiking, and he'll see fungus on a log. Hey, there's fungus among us. But uh, 18, 2018 is among us, if you will. It is here whether you like it or not. And um, we hope it's a good year for you. Uh, we have a lot of great things lined up this year uh, regarding the Chicken Whisperer. Um, there's there's great news. The um, publisher of Chicken Whisperer magazine just signed a uh, big contract with a promotion company, I guess a PR company, so uh, both for Acreage Life magazine and um, Chicken Whisperer magazine. So we're really looking forward to that, uh, to really get tons and tons of people uh, signed up for either the free digital edition uh, or the paid um, print subscription. Yeah, you can get it delivered right to your house, 10 bucks a year. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And this last winter issue was fantastic. There were six or seven articles in the magazine itself, one awesome product review, and then all five, I think, of the editorial articles <coughs> were um, informational art, were, were done by poultry professionals, poultry scientists, poultry veterinarians, poultry nutritionists. I mean, these folks know what the heck they're talking about. Uh, they're 100% poultry all the time, seven days a week. I mean, uh, from top universities from around the country, we want you to get the right information to care for your flock in your backyard the right way the first time. Also big news, um, within the last week, Chicken Fact is now 
available. Um, actually, it was it was secretly available on Amazon before Christmas. In fact, it said and adver- they advertised Christmas delivery uh, for my brand new book that that is out. Uh, chicken fact or chicken poop. Tons of great contributors. Today's guest is a contributor to that book, poultry scientist Dr. McCray, Ph.D. And um, but but yeah, pick that up. Uh, I finally got some copies of it. Believe it or not, the publisher sent me ten. People were out there reading it before I even got a copy of the of the final uh, issue. But I've got a few now and uh, kind of flipped through it. I haven't read it cover to cover yet. But uh, so far, it looks really, really good, and that is released. I'm sure it'll be on bookshelves everywhere, just like the first book, and uh, you can get that in Tractor Supply and all over the place, um, Barnes & Noble, um, Amazon as well. But that's great news, so it is out, and we are doing blog busting or more blog busting. Um, and so uh, these things that you see on these chicken blogs, these chicken forums that sound too good to be true, well, guess what? They probably are, but now we've got some pro- pro- uh, poultry professionals that are taking these um, uh, these claims, if you will, and uh, researching them and saying, you know what, um, there is nothing to back this up whatsoever in the scientific world. Um, so uh, it's a great book. Pick that up. Um, we would appreciate it. And uh, buy one as a gift. Share with your friends. So that's cool. Other great news. I told you it was a great year. This is the first episode of 2018. We've done over 1,000 episodes. Yeah, new listeners, over 1,000 episodes. But guess what? I was, I was getting ready for the show tonight. I was looking at some numbers. This is this starting, this, this episode right now, it is starting our 10th year. 10th year of broadcasting, over 1,000 episodes. I think this is technically, uh, according to the number I was looking, 1,120th episode. We've done more than that, but some of them we got deleted due to bad sound issues and things like that. But um, officially, I guess right now, according to the podcast uh, that are uh, archived, 1,120. But this is marking right now the beginning of our 10th year of broadcasting. Totally excited about this. It almost seems like yesterday when I was going into the AM station in Atlanta and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and doing the one-hour show there once a week at the AM station. And then we did the AM and the Internet show for a long time. We got up to where we were broadcasting two hours a day, five days a week, and it just got insane. You know, overflow chicken um, uh, 24-7, you know, CNN, Chicken News Network. But uh, we've toned it down once a week now, quality programming once a week. Um, so you don't get too burned out with chickens. Is that is that a, is that possible? But um, really looking forward to this year. Lots of great things in play. Uh, those of you who have been listening in the past, my tour, book and speaking tour that was supposed to be in February or coming up in February got postponed. I'm kind of glad. I love my folks and my fans in Michigan, but this just this Georgia boy, I wasn't really looking forward to going to Michigan in February. Okay, I'll just be honest with you. I was prepared. I got some big, brand-new mud gripper tires, snow tires on the big truck, and we were ready to go. I, I was in preparation. I was getting my winter coats out and things like that. And um, But I got news uh, and information from Kalmbach Feeds, and they said, you know what, we're going to postpone this until probably April. That's when we mostly tour. The last decade we've been touring our spring tour, March and April. So uh, that will get in line more with uh, what's going on um, uh, with everything else. So uh, in years past, so wow, just tons of stuff that's uh, that's going on. Um, next Thursday, uh, probably at our regular time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That really doesn't matter because we have thousands of people to listen to the archive show once it's in podcast form. Um, so we can broadcast really any time of the day, like tonight, you know, 8 p.m. Eastern. It worked better for uh, Dr. McRae's schedule and mine actually for today. 
But um, where was I going with this? Oh, next Thursday we'll have um, poultry veterinarian, uh, Dr. Maurice Pateski out of UC Davis in California. He'll come on, and we'll be talking more than likely probably about an illness you may want to be aware of or signs and symptoms or, or something. He's really good about coming on and talking about illness and sickness and disease and things like that. And Dr. McRae, we love her. She's been coming on for probably almost a decade, and she has um, – she, one of my favorite topics she does is um, uh, chicken, was it, uh, poultry research translated, and I love that when she does it. We try to do that about once every six weeks, at least once every two months, because she takes research that's been done, translates it, so us peons can understand it, and maybe even use some of that that um, research, because we know, let's face it, a lot of this research is done with the big boys, the big, the big uh, uh, commercial farms, but how we can maybe utilize some of that information that they're doing. Uh, in our backyards, believe it or not, regarding health uh, and, and uh, other things like that. So that's cool. Um, I'm going to get over here to this other computer and go through some of the uh, – oh, by the way, the chat room's open. And, man, I haven't done chat room in so long. Let me switch over to it and see if it's even working. Um, it doesn't even look like it's working right now. Hang on. Let me just try it again here. Um, we used to fill the chat room. I mean, we would fill it um, with a ton of people. Let's see, launch chat here. See if it's going to work this time. It might. So if you're first time listening, I just on a whim, you know, first show of 2018, and I just we'll we'll open the chat. So if you're listening through the Blog Talk Radio uh, site, you scroll down a little bit. You might say I've opened it now, reopened it. It had a glitch earlier. You'll see a little chat room. You can join in as a guest. There may not be many people in it because it's the first show of the year. And, and over the last two or three years, chat room during the radio show. But something I may try to start doing this year. We'll, we'll gradually grow. You'll be three people, five people, and then we'll get back up to like 40 and 50 people like we used to have in the chat room. And we can uh, mention some of your comments live on the, on the radio show. But uh, I also want to get back started doing some chickens in the news. And I've got one here that we're going to read uh, while we wait for Dr. McCray to call in and get in with our uh, – um, show topic tonight, which is really awesome because it's so daggum cold across the country right now. Uh, Burr, right? But we're talking about the power of electricity in and around the coop. And um, we're going we're gonna to probably raise some eyebrows and open some eyes and ears during the show because, you know, we, we, we agree to disagree, and she's the poultry scientist, not me, but she, she understands science. We'll get to that in a minute, but it's going to be a great show. You're going to want to tune in and stay tuned in. Let's get over here to Chickens in the News. This comes to us from Forbes under their Food and Agriculture um, section, and it says, says uh, Brock, Brock, rotisserie chickens. Get off the spit. I'm not really sure exactly what that means, but I saw it also over at the New York Times. No, Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal had this article, but they wouldn't let me read it. I had to, like, join and pay money to read the article, so I found it elsewhere in Forbes. But uh, um, let's see. Ronald Holden is the contributor here, but he's talking about rotisserie chicken. We've talked about this so much on the show. Every afternoon in supermarkets across the country, growing numbers of shoppers swing by an island at the front of the store stocked with hot rotisserie chickens. Ready for this number? Incredible. Americans bought over 600 million. Got that number? 600 million of the freshly roasted birds last year. One year, last year, 600 million. Even if they're used as loss leaders, 
you know, say, hey, we're going to lose money on this, but while they're in the store, they'll buy something else. That's what we're talking about. Uh, at $5 a piece, it's still a decent chunk of change, but the assumption is that many shoppers will also pick up a salad, a side dish, and maybe even a bottle of wine to go with it. At Kroger and Albertsons, um, the hot chickens are at the front, while at Costco, Costco's warehouse, uh, they're in the back. Even so, Costco sold, ready for this? Just Costco alone, 87 million rotisserie chickens in 2017. Almost one in every seven birds on America's dinner. One in seven, almost one in seven (coughs) birds in America on the dinner table were bought at, at Costco, 87 million rotisserie chickens. For the past decade, Costco has held the line the last 10 years, no price increase, $4.99 for their rotisserie chickens. The company is now, ready for this, it's so, it's so hot, it's so popular. The company is now building this year a $300 million chicken processing plant in Nebraska to get better control of its supply chain. Okay, Most of the birds sold in the familiar Clam shell containers are young, four weeks old, and a small two pounds, and are roasted in industrial ovens. Costco's are a little older; they're 11 weeks and heavier, so maybe a little bit better deal. How maybe you know Costco, bigger chicken instead of four weeks old. There it says they're 11 weeks old and they're heavier birds. Maybe more bang for your buck. <laughs> Did I just say that? More bang for your buck. Um, stores aim to fill their chicken islands, if you will, for a rush between 3 and 7 p.m. And I can tell you this from firsthand experience. At the local Walmart, I know, bash Walmart, I know. At the local Walmart, after 7 p.m. or at 7 p.m., bam, those rotisserie chickens there in the deli, half off, baby. So now you're looking at a rotisserie chicken for $2.50. I'll be the first to admit, I've been guilty of this. I walk in, and it's right as you walk in, and you look over there, you look at the clock, in the evening, I'm like, it's almost seven. It's two minutes till seven. I'll go through the produce area, come back over if they haven't marked them down yet. And I'll say, yeah, I want all three of these, all two of these. And by the way, it's after seven. Half off, $2.50, rotisserie chicken, ready to eat or pull off the bone, put it in a Tupperware container, put it in the fridge, sandwiches, whatever. $2.50. Um, but um, hey, stores aim to fill their chicken islands for a rush between 3 and 7 p.m. A rotisserie chicken has a shelf life, however, of only four hours under those heat lamps. Hey, we're going to talk about heat lamps when Dr. McRae comes on. Um, it's not hard to see the appeal of a ready-to-eat chicken, especially for grocery stores struggling to keep their customer base. The trend started with the Boston Market chain some 25 years ago. You remember those? There's like one or two still maybe in the Atlanta area. A lot of them went under, went out of business. Um, but it started with the Boston Market chain some 25 years ago and now has reached the point that some stores are putting chickens in the checkout aisle to inspire last-minute impulse. Per- and they do this over here at the Ingalls and other places. Uh, you, you go to checkout, and, and right there in little kiosks, one or two of them, right there as you check out. You go right back. There's, there's a, oh, yeah, I think I'll just have that for dinner tonight. They grab one and put one in the buggy. I know you're guilty of that, some of you guys. But um, let's see if there's anything else here. Um, looks like that. Looks like that's about it. It doesn't go on to anything else. There's a bunch of chicken recipes and then another story. Oh, wait. Um, nope, that's it. So I wanted to share that with you. 
600 million rotisserie chickens last year in the U.S. Uh, Costco alone, 87 million were sold. That's one, almost one in seven birds uh, on the dinner table in America uh, will come from Costco. And then, um, holy cow, but it sounds like that's a better deal. 4.99 for a bigger bird. Um, maybe I, we go to Costco. If you're into that, um, if you're not, keep listening to the show. So um, let's see. Here's one. A little bit more on the uh, light side. Now, these look like broilers, but they claim that there's no broiler trucks that rode down the road. So this comes from my central Oregon. Chickens running on California freeway saved by the police. Now, can you imagine that, seeing the uh, California Highway Patrol running uh, uh, trying to uh, corral 19 chickens? But these are broilers. They may not have been running around. They may have just been kind of sitting and walking a little bit around here and there. Uh, let's see. Why did the chicken cross the freeway? Well, to cause a traffic jam, of course. Hi, uh, California Highway Patrol officers chased after 19 chickens who were running loose on the 605 freeway early Tuesday morning. Just southeast of L.A., officers had to divert traffic for about 15 minutes in order to get the chickens to safety, ruffling some commuters' feathers. They just had to get that in there, didn't they? Officers used pieces of cardboard on the side of the freeway to help corral the chickens, and animal control responded to help. Seventeen chickens were rescued and taken to a nearby animal shelter. However, two chickens died on the scene, and seven of the rescued had to be uh, euthanized due to injuries they suffered uh, on the highway. It is still unclear how the chickens got onto the freeway. We have no trucks that stopped and no cages found on the roadway, the uh, California Highway Patrol officer told uh, ABC. Uh, so we're not exactly sure how they came to be on the roadway. Oh, there's video with this story of the California Highway Patrol chasing these chickens. Now, they look like broilers to me, I think, but, boy, they're moving. Well, okay, they're not moving like a leggern, but uh, there you go. Uh, the California Highway Patrol said the owner of the chickens must claim them before January 6th or they will be put up for adoption. It doesn't say they'll be turned into nuggets. It doesn't say they'll be rotisserie chickens. We just talked about that. It says, actually, that the uh, California Highway Patrol says the owner of the chickens must claim them before January 6th or they will be put up for adoption. So, interesting. So, if you're listening and you live out there in California and... um, you want to adopt these, just use biosecurity, good biosecurity if you adopt them and take them home. Keep them in a separate area for 30 days. Make sure they're disease-free or as disease-free as they can before you uh, – but I think these are broilers. So I mean, you get them home and fatten them up if you're into that. Um, if you're not, then you know, get them in shape and use them as pets or, or members of the family. But anyway, I wanted to start off with some chickens in the news today, uh, 2018. Got to get started with uh, with that. Let me get back over here to the uh, eight twenty two. Okay, um, there we go. So let me get back over here to. Um, she calling in from a different phone number. Maybe this is a different phone number. Oh look, we got here. Looks like. Uh, okay, hopefully I'm still coming in loud and clear. I heard a, a noise in my mic. Let's get over here and see if this is uh, maybe Doctor McRae. Are you with us, Doc? Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> That's not Dr. McCray, but I appreciate whoever that was from listening. But anyhow, he, she should be calling here um, any minute. So I'll tell you what, I will go to our commercial break, and we'll wait and have Dr. McCray call in here in uh, just a minute. And we're gonna t- t- the topic tonight, pretty awesome, uh, we're talking about, it may surprise somebody, we're talking about 
the power of electricity in and around the chicken coop, when to possibly use heat in the coop, because you know we've been we've been talking about that and just posted a couple of fires in the coop, but the heat source was the culprit, not just the fact that they were providing heat. So when, when maybe you should consider providing heat in the, uh, in the coop, if at all. We'll talk about that. So here we go. Let's go uh, to a commercial break, and I'll go and try to see if Dr. McRae is in one, other the, in, in one of the other call loops. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be back right after this short break. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. 
From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. All right. Thank you very much for staying with us. Um, sorry about that. There's a little dead sound there for a minute. I was uh, on the phone with Dr. McRae, and she has um, called in. We appreciate that. But uh, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, the chat room is open. So, um, again, something I hadn't done in about three years, but I just saw it there. New year, new shows. So I thought, well, I'll just open up the chat room. So you can head in the chat room and uh, chat if anybody's there. If not, it'll slowly build up over the next few shows. So today, so we're talking about uh, with Dr. McRae, uh, poultry scientist, PhD, the power of electricity in and around the coop. And we may even touch on things like um, really the heaters not to use, the, the heat lamps, the safer heaters if you choose to heat your coop, why you might want to heat your coop. Maybe you've got a couple of bill, uh, chickens that are sickly or uh, you, you're really concerned about egg production or you know, there's just things like that. So, so she's going to explain like, like from a scientist point of view, from 4-H, for, for maximum production for your dollar and your feed and blah, 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 you know, you might want to consider the heat scientifically. You know, are they going to make it without heat? They have for seven thousand nine. You know, you hear me post about that. So we're going to talk about that. Really open, talking about the dreaded hauling frozen waterers out to the coop and back from the coop, and how many times a day do you have to do that when it's nine degrees outside and the heated waterers, heated waterer bases, things like that. Maybe some advantages. Uh, the power of having electricity in and around the coop. Yeah, if you choose to add a light source to maintain egg production in the winter, then you've got that electrical outlet there to do so. Um, so let's get over to the phone lines. We'll talk about this with our great friend. Happy New Year, Dr. McRae. Thanks for joining us. Happy New Year. Sorry, I had a about a 15-minute sneezing jag, so I, hate I think that. I'm done. But I uh, <laughs> I tweaked my back in the process, so I'm just sitting down here going, ow. Oh, yeah. Well, my mom used to get those. She would just, all of a sudden, she'd be sitting in a chair for no reason, no cold, and sneeze for like 15 minutes straight. <laughs> or yeah. Whatever it was. And, then, it's, and, then it's, and it's over. Annoying. Absolutely. Oh, it's so annoying. Um, and then my dad, sometimes, he would sneeze so hard and loud that the neighbors would wake up. At 3 a.m. It's just, it just, <laughs> you know, there's people that sneeze like that. You're walking through the mall and all of a sudden, and, and sneeze. Well, hey, nonetheless, yeah. sneezing, no sneezing, we're glad that you made it. And what a great timely topic. I mean, it's, wow, uh, I think I saw a Facebook post the other day that somebody really ticked off Elsa and they need to apologize. And if you don't know who Elsa is, that's uh, the Let It Go. Frozen. What's the name of that movie? Frozen. Uh, yes. Disney really Frozen. Yeah. Off. Somebody needs to apologize right now for that. I'm telling you because <laughs> boy, the country's feeling it. And um, but yeah, so so timely topic, evening show. Let's roll with what you want to share with all the, our listeners today. Well, this was inspired by a Facebook post from someone who came to my chicken boot camp here in Alabama. Um, a very lovely lady who is um, living in Bibb County, and she was talking about um, how she's just 
really quite tired uh, with lugging frozen waters around. <laughs> and yep. um, I believe there might have been that Elsa comment in there, too. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it is one of those things that it may not be part of the equation now. But I'm going to encourage folks to start thinking through the details and see what you might consider adding gradually. Or if you are looking to get a different coop, modify your coop, um, do something differently that has more of a, a, a feel of permanency, think about electricity and think about it seriously. You can do the simple seasonal thing, a drop cord an extension cord from the house on out to the chicken coop. Or you might consider summer project or spring project, uh, digging a trench and um, talking to an electrician, or maybe you have an electrician in the family or a friend who owes you a favor. Um, You might want to consider, well, let's put some electricity permanently out in that coop. So definitely something I want people to consider. There are pluses and there are negatives. Of course, the bill tends to be what everyone thinks of first as a negative. But we're going to talk a little bit about ways to get around that. And, Andy, your listeners are smart and clever. And they find really good ways to to find bargains. Um, But remember, this is electricity. And safety needs to come first. So let's talk about drop cords. Um, extension cords are great, but um, where goes my other phone? Sorry, let me go hide that. I didn't even. Um, I didn't even hear anything. <laughs> so what I am going to recommend people do is um, for a drop cord, you know, distance is important. If you can move the coop closer to the house, great. If you can't, that's okay, too. You need to have an appropriate cord length, though. Um, If you have a lot of things to plug in and a really long distance to go, your, you know, dollar general drop cord may Mm. not do the trick. You're probably going to want to go invest in a good drop cord that can handle that kind of distance because mm-hmm. the longer the cord the less likely it's going to handle multiple devices at the other end because you kind of lose um, some of the power on the way out to the coop so if you've got a light a sweeter heater a, a water base a heated water base well that's when you get to a situation where you might want to you might want to think of a, a very good, better quality uh, extension cord. Uh, or if you if you love your chickens and in the summer you want to run a little swamp cooler out there or an air conditioner out there, that, that's when you switch over to, <clears throat> you know, something that's build a trench in the ground. But there are things that you really want to think about to make your life easier this time of year. First and foremost... Whatever you can do to keep that water from freezing means that you have to dump 
or dump water less often, um, crack ice less often, and if you uh, if you don't have a solid freeze to those waters, then you're chipping ice, and um, you know ice is sharp. You can hurt yourself. Um, banging your water on the ground to get ice to fall off or release does have wear and tear on your equipment. Less so with metal waters than with plastic. And if you do have plastic type waters, uh, even those one gallon or or even up to like the 35 gallon font, you're going to need to um, you're going to need to consider very carefully the the freeze thaw cycle on those will eventually crack the plastic. So you may have plunked down I don't know 25 45 dollars for a nice big plastic water. You may have to rebuy it every two or three years. I like stuff that lasts, and I mean lasts. So if I'm going to invest in a water, I want a water that's going to last me five years minimum. So a heated water base is going to help you keep your water from freezing. A heated water base also turns on and off. So that means that it's heating up and cooling down, which is going to have some stress on your plastic, less so with metal waterers. So Brower makes a nice product, uh, easy to use. uh, But I personally, unless the temperature is super cold all the time, I, I would say plug it in when you need it. Or put it on a thermostat and have the thermostat control is fed to appliances. That's why I like the thermocube so much. The thermocube only turns on and allows electricity to your electrical products when the temperature gets down to where you need it. they were for a while, I believe, at Lowe's and Home Depot. I uh, don't know if they're back in there this time of year, but you can definitely find them online, a thermocube. Then you're only paying for the electricity when the temperature warrants it. And if you're saving your back in the process, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Carrying water is, well, Every gallon is eight pounds, so something that's, you know, 25, 35 gallons is a pretty hefty lug for some folks. <clears throat> so that's that's one of the things. In the winter, you're dealing with cold, your fingers get numb, charity goes down, and then you have to deal with ice, whether whether you're dealing with those blowing cold snows right now in the northeast or it's already come through like in Georgia and Florida yesterday and you might be looking at ice now. When you're trudging back and forth with something heavy, I don't want to see slip and falls. If you slip and fall, you might hold a grudge against your chickens and that's just not a great place to be. <laughs> if you get okay. injured and you can't walk because you're hurting so bad, yeah. who's going to take who's care of your chickens? Who's going to feed your chickens if you can't feed them? Yeah. <laughs> So, 
Yeah, let's let's not have some grudge against the chicken drudge. Um, of course, uh, as with anything you hear me talk about from time to time, biosecurity. Yeah, we don't often have cold weather for extremely long periods, but you know, is your do you have dedicated footwear, dedicated um, uh, long sleeves, <laughs> clothing? Um, Maybe insulated Carhartt bibs and uh, a long sleeve flannel shirt for going to take care of these birds. And you know, don't don't skip the biosecurity steps just because it's cold outside. I know um, you got you talked about. Um, I know you talked about the heavy duty extension cord, and right. definitely, I'm so glad you talked about that. You know, spin. It has to do with so much about. The raising chickens, you know, if you're gonna, you gotta spend that money for predator proof, but you're just gonna have to bite the bullet and do it. But same thing with the cord, you're like, oh, I can get this cord for, you know, three ninety nine or this cord. I mean, literally, some of them are getting up at an expense of forty nine dollars for that heavy gauge, and um, I love that. And then you talked about the timers, and and yep. I don't know, um, and you talked about, I know there's timers that, what you you know, you plug in, and, and then the uh, will be set towards temperature. Like it'll turn right. on at a certain temperature and go off. And then there's uh, just timer-type timers. I want it on at this right. particular hour. So we'll get to that I'm glad in just you definitely a moment. Touch, touched about that. But um, Okay, cool. Well, if you're going to do a drop cord, one of the things, a uh, common mistake is um, it, you want to get a, one that is the right length. You don't want to get one that's too long. Because, um, again, like I said, the longer it is, the more you're going to be um, losing out the other end. You know, electricity, you know, it's it's like um, here's what we taught in the lab when I was when I was doing some molecular work. You've got electricity running along, but it's it's got it's being hampered. Um, we we use this example when we're trying to to send proteins using electricity through through uh, gels. Um, if the piece is small, then it runs all the way to the end, but if the piece is big, it's going to get stuck, like like a skinny guy and a fat guy running through a forest of thick trees. Think about it. If you've got a really long cord, that electricity ain't going to make it to the end. There's resistance. So think about it that way. So if you do have a cord that's too long, one of the problems is people will often – um, uh, you know, they'll they'll wrap a, a cord and loop it on itself and maybe hang it on a hook. Well, sometimes those cords, if they're cheap or poorly made, uh, when you wrap it like that, you're kind of coiling it. And if it starts to melt the plastic coating, then that can catch fire. So make sure you've got something that's that can dissipate the heat um, is the right length and is of good quality because you don't want to cause a coop fire. You don't want to cause a house fire. Um, and and know that with a drop cord, you know, you'll have to just know that, your yes, your chickens can survive, but check them every day and make sure there's no frostbite on the comb or the waddles or the toes. If you start to see little... Um, specks on the comb and wattles or it starts to look yellow or swollen, you might have some frostbite going on. 
that's when you'll want to step up to like a sweeter heater. A lot of people like brood lamps. Brooder lamps are something that people usually have on hand, left over from brooding their chickens. Um, but that heats the air, not necessarily the chicken themselves. And a sweeter heater uses radiant heat. Um, EcoGlow 50 uh, is also a good device uh, that can be used, or and I would say hang it over the roost. Because the coldest time of day these poor chickens have to make it through is about 4 o'clock in the morning. And you want to be able to, to ensure that they're going to stay warm where they're perching at night um, during the coldest part of the night or the e- or early morning. So you've got, you've got radiant heat and the first bout of any kind of frostbite that you should see your chickens endure, you're going to go get yourself a sweeter heater. And you're going to invest the $75 or whatever whatever size you need to get yes, to make sure your flock is yeah, happy. Yeah, I just noticed, uh, I got an email from them. They are totally sold out of the largest one they carry, but they were offering um, free shipping. And I think, I want to say it was $20 off if you order two of any other uh, sweeter heaters they have, even though the the next smallest one, which is now the, the biggest one they have in stock. But um, one thing you had mentioned, I was, I was actually reading this in, in the book, uh, the Factor Chicken Poop book today uh, about this whole topic we're kind of talking about now. And uh, you said one of the downsides of, again, that old-fashioned brooder lamp. And how many times every year do I post about poop yeah. fires and just yesterday about a house fire? But you talked about the fact of, of it being light, producing light, not just heat, but light yeah. can also affect the birds. I don't know if we got time to get into all of that because we've, we've covered this a, a lot. You can go look into the archive shows. But you also talked about one of the negatives of, of that, not only just producing heat, but light as well, which your birds don't necessarily need. No, they don't. Have, and have, and we know that your birds. those chickens, you know, we know that chickens sometimes when they they get water on, on their beak or on their wattles, they're going to flick their head and shake that free. And if the right head shake leads to the right size droplet and it lands in the right place if it should land on a hot bulb and it's a cold droplet that bulb can shatter boom yep. then you've got hot glass in the coop you've got um you know that bulb will pop and shatter and then you've got you've got a, a bulb that's still got electricity running through it and you have to deal with a shattered bulb unplug it find all those pieces of glass and if you're not sure if you've got all those pieces of glass here's what you do you kind of reconstruct that bulb and make sure that you don't have any major chunks missing that's that's what you do with uh you know <laughs> not me the i ain't food doing industry. that <laughs> yeah well if you're not oh. sure that there's still glass in there you know just kind of make sure that you can kind of reconstruct that bulb and you've got most of it. Um, but light has an effect on the biology of the bird, on its um, on its gonads specifically, male or female. If you get to above 14 hours a day with that light, then they're going to go into production. Some of you want egg production into the winter. But you don't want 24 hours a day. Those birds need a rest. Their gonads need a rest. So 
they actually need time off from light. We know that in meat chickens, if you overlight them, then you end up with ascites, which is kind of um, kind of a problem with uh, fluid around the heart. And I know nobody wants to do that for to their birds. So providing heat without providing light is key. In crunch time, for very short periods of time, you might want to hang a brooder light over your birds at night. Um, however, there's no guarantee that it's going to actually affect your birds uh, where they're specifically roosting. I've seen birds in a coop that is far too small for them. I mean, a lot of those boutique coops from Wayfair are cute as a button, but they do not keep the cold out. It's like they are outside. There's no insulation. You put a bulb in there on them, it does nothing for them. They'll still end up with frostbite. A bird that's fighting frostbite is a bird whose immune system is trying and trying and trying to repair damage, but it's going to get tired after a while. And that opens the bird up for disease. So hey, insulate that real, coop. Real quick, too. Let me show you this real quick first before I forget. I, I, I'm going to try to find this study and post it because it just came out. I saw it this week where, um, oh God, what was it, um, commercial, I think it was broilers, that are raised on used litter versus new litter have less, I'm trying to think what it was. I don't know if it was less foot issues or less, i got to find the story, but it's fascinating because you know, it, it was saying, oh, yeah, fresh litter, the healthiest for the birds, da, 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 da. but they found that raising uh, broilers on used litter instead of changing it out every single time actually was better for this at least one particular disease or issue that they get. But anyway, I just wanted to share that real quick to remind me that when I go back and listen to the cool. show to, to post to find that. But the other thing was um, with, with these bulbs, and a lot of people don't have no clue about this, um, the wire cage, if you will, that goes on these uh, brooder bulbs, these lamp, brooder lamps, um, obviously we know there are And not the all brooder bulbs protect. have those. <laughs> Correct. Um, but guess what? The bulb can go right through that. You can actually put the bulb in and take the bulb out through that. It's not small, small enough to keep the bulb up in there. Now, here's the problem or why that can be an issue. A lot of these bulbs, in fact, most of them are coming out of China. What we're seeing is that the adhesive, the glue that they're using to keep the glass globe part of the bulb secured into the metal part of the bulb that screws into the lamp, is failing. The, lamp is get, the, the bulb is getting so hot that adhesive is failing. And so what happens is the bulb is now falling out of the lamp. You could, you could secure that lamp 100%, 15 ways to, to nothing. Um, and, and so this lamp is not falling. And by golly, it's not falling. But guess what? What have you done to secure the bulb? Because we have seen pictures over the last several years. I've had people in my classes come up and say, oh, this happened to me. I can't, I'm glad you're sharing this, where that adhesive, cheap China stuff, is, is the bulb is getting so hot, the bulb is literally falling out of the socket, the glass part of it, the, the little screw part staying up in there. And people come home and see the glass globe just dangling by the two little filament wires that go up into the socket, or the bulb has fallen out in and either broken or actually charred the, um, the shavings uh, below, whether it be brooder or the coop. So now, other than having to constantly all these heavy cords and securing that lamp itself, now we're recommending that you put either 
uh, hardware cloth or chicken wire, wrap it around that guard. So if this china bulb fails, and many of them are, and, and the bulb falls, you're still safe. It's still not going to break. Yes. It's still not going to fall into the shavings. So that's even another thing now you have to do. So, I mean, that's, I, I, all these things you have to do because you decided to buy a $9 heat ramp when, you know, again, <laughs> okay, now i got to do this, now i got to do this, now i got to do this. And I'm still not sleeping good at night um, versus saving your pennies and getting that, that, that sweeter heater um, or some of the safer, more um, – heaters that are that are out there so i want to share that too because a lot of people yeah. uh, don't don't know about the bulb uh, are, are coming out because they're so cheap so i wanted to get that in there too because oh i secured that lamp like crazy it's not going anywhere what have you done to keep the bulb from flowing out when it fails so just wanted to share that real quick one of the other things other than uh, providing uh, water heated water base and heating the the coop up or actually the birds if you're doing radiant heat um, another reason for having electricity would be for light. If you are in this for profit, mm-hmm. you're going to want to make mm-hmm. sure that your birds are getting 14 to 16 hours of light. Of course, if if Mother Nature is going to pay the bill for about eight of those these days, great. you got to pay for the other eight. So you want to make sure that you're you're using the most economical bulbs Heat isn't the goal. Light is the goal. And that's where LED lights are terrific. There's a lot of LED light selection out there. Um, LEDs will do the job, and they won't you know, suck your bank account dry. And I wouldn't worry, folks, about uh, the sweeter heater either. Actually, you're going to pay more, more mm-hmm. with a radiant heat uh, bulb. Uh, I'm sorry, with an infrared bulb than with a sweeter heater. You're you're going to pay less money um, by running a sweeter heater than you are by running a bulb. So mm-hmm. that's a cool the project for someone like those, if they, they yeah, can keep a... 125 watt to 250 watt versus the, the small, whatever, I forget what wattage it is, a very small wattage. Is, 120. Yeah, exactly, exactly right versus the, uh, the bulbs. <clears throat> less power. It'll pay for itself in a year probably. Yeah, yep. And if you've got um, production in mind, if you've got those really valuable blue-green eggshells and your customers will pay premiums for those eggs, then, yeah, light those birds. Get them in production. Uh, You've got LED bulbs that are available to you from a variety of sources. Just make sure that you remove dust from the surface and cobwebs from the surface. Make sure they stay bright. Um, They do dim after a while. And so after a couple years, maybe two or three years, you really want to see if if they're producing uh, enough light. Check on them during the the, um, off hours that uh, Mother Nature has... uh, um, you know, taking a break, then you want to kick those lights on, and that's where a light timer helps. There are light timers where you can um, get them started at 4 o'clock in the morning and then let them mm-hmm. run until the sun comes up around 8, then have those suckers kick on about 4, and run until 8 o'clock at night. So, you know, those those plugs... Uh, you know, they, there's at least two outlets. 
usually on most of those light timers. You're going to pay anywhere from ten to fifteen dollars for, depending on the type of light timer. And you can usually find those at any of the big box stores. Just make sure that you check on them periodically. And make sure that you know your chickens haven't you know pecked new times into your <laughs> light timer. Maybe move it up out of their reach. Uh, but I would say you know those LED lights are really the way to go. Um, and it doesn't take much. You can just take, you know, go to Goodwill and get a desk lamp, affix it to the wall, put in an LED bulb, done. And, you know, it's very dim light that you needed, so you don't even have to get a 100-watt LED bulb. Get a 25. That's that's fine. A 15 or 25 will do the trick. Let me share this with folks, and I can't remember if I learned this from you moons ago or uh, somebody uh, with with lots of letters behind their name. But when when I talk to folks, and like, how much light do they need to maintain egg production? And it's the half um, a foot candle. Uh, yes. Yeah, so it, you you go into the coop after dark, and the minimum amount of light needed to read a newspaper, holding it six inches away from your nose is all the light that's needed. Yep, a half a foot candle. I love telling people that. And they're like, wow, that's it? And, uh, yeah, the main thing. And so, and so you and I have talked about this before when people say, oh, my chickens lay great in the winter and I don't add light to them. But then when you go to a site visit, it's like, hey, does that spotlight on the corner of your house stay on all night? Well, there's your light source. Or, you know, you, yeah. you live on a corner and the coop is near a street lamp. Uh, that seems to you like it's far away, but hey, you know, that's that's all the light they need in that coop from that street lamp. That, that and you're like, I don't exactly. Provide. They, they, they make great. <laughs> so something to think about, folks. <laughs> now that would be a cool contest to see is how people put in dimmer switches and and lighting systems. But hey, if you're if you're going full Amish and you're running this off a of battery, you might want to consider solar. Um, oh, you know, mm-hmm. put a Put a battery in there, like a little motorcycle battery and a um, and an inverter, and you can run it off a solar panel, and um, you know capture some of that solar energy for use at the time of day when you need it. So think about that. If you can't run a drop cord, there are battery options for you. Um, talk to Talk to an electrician if you're thinking about actually wiring up your coop. You might even want to consider one of those electric doors that slowly closes Mm -hmm, during mm -hmm. the right time of day. Some of those run off solar power as well. However, if you're going to use one of those battery options or solar option, you want to keep your equipment up high in case... You know, your chicken should ever knock over one of those waters. You don't want electricity and water meeting. Um, Or, you know, you have a whole new disaster. Yay! So (laughs) there are solar options out there. um, And it doesn't have to be a big panel. A big, giant solar panel isn't necessarily what you need. Um, I've seen some beautiful uh, light systems that... Uh, also house the battery, uh, like a motorcycle battery, um, and uh, built by the Amish from when I was back in Delaware. Just beautiful systems mounted towards the ceiling, and um, 
you know, maybe keep one or two batteries and keep one on a trickle charger and one out in the coop. That ought to last you for a while. So there are options, and, and use one of those affordable bulbs. If you are going to go ahead and run electricity out to your coop, unless you're an electrician or very capable and knowledgeable in the area of electrical engineering, then seek qualified trained individuals to help you with this. Um, I don't even hang new ceiling fans in my house. That sounds kind of wimpy. And I guess I consider myself kind of a manly man. But, man, when it comes to electricity, I tell my wife, I said, ain't going to happen. You want a new fixture in the kitchen? You want a new ceiling fan? We're, we're having our handyman come and do it because I'm not messing with electricity. I zip zap as a paramedic for a year. I, I've seen too many zip zaps and zips than, uh, and zaps than, uh, and shocks. <laughs> and it ain't, it ain't happening for this old boy. So uh, ceiling fan replacement, not simple, but no. Electricity, zip, no, not happening. Not happening. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm not comfortable around electricity either. Um, I've gotten better as as time has gone by. And, yeah, YouTube's pretty great, but I want somebody with me in case I screw it up. I don't want to be on the ground sitting there going, I'm dying. Um, I'd rather have someone else in the you know throes of dialing nine one one on my behalf. So yeah, think I about it. Oh man. And and yeah, these are be... just practical things. You may be young, go get them. You've just built yourself the most terrific chicken coop. You're kidding me, I'm not putting anything out there to electrify it. Yeah, we'll see what you say in twenty years. See if you you know see if you haven't gotten older, had some aches and pains and want to save yourself some heartache or maybe you've gotten sick and um, you know your life changes your needs change you get in a car accident, you can't lift things so think about think about what you could do and when and how much could all this cost you alright, well let's go through some of the numbers um, Andy Give me give me a price on those sweeter heaters for like the largest one. The kind the that you can hang over a long stretch of. Go yeah, ahead. They range 129 bucks, and we're looking at probably something between 75 dollars uh, to 129 dollars for the the sweeter heater in that range. Most expensive, okay. I think, is 129. Right. Uh, that's completely reasonable, and and I'm not going to say that they're indestructible, but they are. Well built. Uh, Then you've got um, an electric cord. If you're doing a drop cord, that might cost you four to fifty bucks. Then, if you're doing lights for your coop, um, gosh, something as simple as a string of lights should do the trick um, if they are well placed. or you might just go get a simple $10 mount, get some cord, put it together yourself. Or I say, shoot, go to Goodwill for maybe 5 bucks, get yourself a cheap desk lamp and mount that sucker in the coop. Um, you know, I, I would say with either screws or zip ties or something to get it up where you needed to, to put it so you can see and have the light be there, then you maybe will pay a 
oh, three or four dollars for a couple of bulbs, a couple of um, low uh, wattage bulbs. Of course, you're going to save some more money with those um, those uh, the new uh, bulbs that are available out there. If you're doing the the heated water base, I can't exactly remember how much they are, but I want to say they're like twenty five for one of those. So, you know, for a fair investment, you know, for a couple hundred dollars, you can get your yourself all electrified in the coop. Um, do it piecemeal if need be. Uh, maybe your birthday is coming up and you can ask for these things, or maybe your chicken's birthday is coming up. I don't know. Maybe you got spring chicks. And you can give them um, a little bit of uh, a love through the electricity but know this, you need to be cautious with electricity in the coop. Make sure that uh, um, you can avoid the splatter on bulbs or, um, you know, winding a, a cord up and, and causing a, a fire. So, and, and of course, move your, your plugs up out of the way and mount things well. So that they are secure. You know, we all know chickens freak out. They flap around. Um, you want them to be able to bump into things and not have it fall down. So those are kind of things I wanted to talk to people about. Yes, it's cold out there. Unless you're in the southwest, some of you are. Unless you're in the southwest, you're bundling up to go out to that coop. Um, you know, let's make your life a little easier. Please, uh, think about something so, that you um, might be able to get done before the end of the month. It is a new year after all. We, we were limited on time this show, and we've done the shows before, obviously, 10 years of doing this. We, we've repeated ourselves many times, but we love it. Um, so we didn't really get involved in uh, building a insulated coop, how to insulate your coop. I mean, we could go on for like five shows with, with you know, this, you know, preparing your chickens for Little winter. Little measured so topic, the yeah. Yeah, exactly, all these other things. But um, I guess for those who, because obviously my long-time listeners for 10 years, they've heard me say the same thing over again. Chickens were just a thousand years ago. We've only had electricity for a hundred years. They've been doing fine without it for 7,900 years. Da, 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 da. But, but you kind of opened my eyes to, to that as well to where now I'm saying, I'll still say that, but then I'll be like, but <laughs> here are some considerations um, that Dr. McCray points out where, you know, you might consider, you know, putting, especially if you don't have a coup worth a darn. You know, if you're on a limited budget and you can't really, you know, invest what you'd like into a coop that's, you know, which we want to be predator-proof by all means, number one, but to come winter, you know, insulation or whatever the case may be, and you've got this little coop that you could afford, which is awesome. You're into chickens, you know, $129 on sale at TSC or something, and you've got this thing, and you're like, you know, this is just not adequate for this, you know, I got to put a heater in there. You know, nobody's going to make fun of you because you're, you're, you know, again, you you may not have another choice other than, you know, the sweeter heater because you don't have maybe two grand for this, you know, coop extraordinaire. Coop Deville. Uh, so, <laughs> coop Deville, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's not that we're back. And really, at the end of the day, when we talk about it, my biggest point is I post these fires over and over and over all year long, and all of them have that common denominator of the heat lamp. Um, and so, it's not that I'm bashing folks that heat their chickens. It's really more of a 
you know, be aware of these heat lamps. If you're going to heat your chickens, for whatever reason, none of my business, um, who cares? But but do it, sweeter heater, uh, these other heaters, some others that are out there that are safer, obviously, than the heat lamp. That's my biggest issue. Peace um, of there's mind a, there's is a, priceless. Um, Yep, and with the brooder, like two years ago, uh, a veterinarian in Maine was killed because she was brooding baby chicks on a second-floor bedroom, um, and she was using a heat lamp, and it caught her whole house on fire, and she she's dead now because of a heat lamp. For years, you know, I, I never heard of the human death aspect, you know, but, but two years ago, a veterinarian of all people in Maine, she's uh, lost her life because of that heat lamp uh, brooding baby chicks. So, um, you know, heat, if, if you, for whatever reason, decide to heat your, your coop, man, you got to do it safely. And like we said earlier, just, oh, that going anywhere. I've got it secured. Well, I bet you didn't because you may not have known um, to, to secure that bulb in there with you know, wrapping the hardware cloth around it. Yeah, that bulb, because it just falls right out. We've seen pictures of it. We've shared pictures of this, and we've seen it traveling across the country. So, yeah, we're not – so there's – And there's don't be afraid to actually eyes. swing your hand at some of the most stuff that you've just mounted inside your coop. Because if it can't handle you whacking into it with the force of a chicken hitting it, <laughs> your chickens aren't going to be able to – the chickens are going to be able to, to relocate it in a place that you don't want it. <clears throat> right. So, um, hey, this is an awesome show. We wanted to talk about this a little bit and um, let folks know, you know, some of you are going to heat, some of you are not. Some of you are going to take my stance, but then I think people need to know that, you know, you've got sickly birds or birds that are compromised or maybe a yeah, if your birds have a cough, not really your, you need to think this yeah. through. You need to think about um, what you can do to, to help them, not just with medication. Environment is part of the equation. Yep, uh, production-wise, egg production, uh, meat production. You know, there, there's at times based on your application of where you might want to heat your coop. Uh, other than just I'm not doing this, they'll be in fine for thousands of years. So just something to think about. I wanted to share, other than just sometimes my one-sided view of they'll be fine without it. They have for eight thousand years. So I'm <laughs> glad that we got ax. You know, Dr. McCray to come on and say, hey, let's open our eyes. Let's let's look at the big picture here. Um, of why some people may want to uh, use a heater. And if they do, well, the bottom line is common denominator is to use a safer heat and heat source. So, But, hey, thanks for coming on. A neat evening show. Uh, I'll take a look at the numbers and see. You know, we have thousands that listen to the archive, but it would be interesting to see if the evening people are off work, they're kind of hanging out, um, and uh, see if we get more live listeners during the show in the evening than or we do during the day during the Or maybe someone's going to knit hours. a chicken sweater. <laughs> Keep those chickens <laughs> Hey man, you just you, you never know. You know, you know, you never know. Time out of your evening and coming on and sharing this. And I know you're in Bama, so hey, now okay, Monday. I know you're an Auburn fan. You went to Auburn. You got your PhD at Auburn and all your, I think your master's and your bachelor and all that out at UC Davis. Are but, you going to ask um, me a so, football question? Because I don't follow. I'm going to ask you. Okay, I was just curious. You'll know, be over there in, in, in Bama next door. I'm in Georgia, but I'm, I'm probably the born and raised here in Georgia. But I can tell you, okay, don't stop it with the hate emails. I'm really not a UGA University of Georgia football fan. Um, you know, there's even though I was born and raised here in Georgia, because and I'll tell you why. Okay, I'm ready for all the hate mail. 
my father went and graduated with a degree in architecture and a master's in architecture from Georgia Tech. So I wasn't smart enough to get into Georgia Tech, please. <laughs> but um, and I really didn't want to go to Georgia. But um, they do have some so, good, so good just, poultry professors there. Oh my gosh! Let me tell you, I've taken uh, several classes up there, and I just took one about a month ago. Yeah, as far as agriculture, man, love it. But so, so my question, you know, I know you, Alabama, and you, but do you have a favorite for Monday night, or are you just not? I do not. Is that what you? I'm not into football. I just never have been, and it's kind of. I'm kind of confused because wasn't wasn't Georgia at the Rose Bowl? Didn't I see them in the Rose Parade? Correct, and so I think the winner of the Sugar Bowl. So they the have of the they have two bowl, bowl games they got to do. Well, this is the this is the national championship game. So the BCS apparently there's bowl oh, games. That's then they, right. Like the it always like the was that the team, Rose Bowl was the Rose Bowl, but it the Rose Bowl isn't the Rose Bowl anymore. Um. I guess I'm not, I'm not <laughs> Sorry. You know, all this BCS stuff and you know and and it, but it's say hey um, it's going to be crazy here in Atlanta. The, so the, the cool thing about it, I guess, is that this massive, awesome game uh, is in Atlanta, and so you've got all local Georgia, and then Birmingham is just you know what you know an hour and a half drive away. Atlanta is going to be crazy on Monday because you got everybody coming over from Bama, an hour and a half away, not a bad drive, and then everybody from Georgia is going to be sucked into Atlanta <laughs> and then you've got the, the president right the president's coming to the game so you can multiply all this traffic and people coming Ugh. in for from Alabama and Georgia, two states right next to each other Alabama Georgia plant it's going to be insane and now you got the president coming in that's the, who knows is what's going to do with tra- this is going to be incredible <laughs> it's going to, and, and I wouldn't oh my goodness just, and I probably uh, won't even know score <laughs> Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing you at the IPPE, but we'll talk about that later. We'll have a show, whole show on that. And uh, uh, but um, hey, thanks for coming on. Go get some sleep, and um, I'll chat with you. I'm sure later next week, just to chat. Thanks. Hi, everybody, and and stay warm. Snuggle down. Yes, stay warm and snuggle and, and take care of those chickens. All righty, that is Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. over at Auburn now. Doing some great things with 4-H over there, extension specialist and uh, contributor to Chicken Whisper Magazine, contributor to co-author of my first book, and contributor to my second book, long-time guest on this radio show. We'll be on next Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio with Dr. Pateski. He is a uh, poultry veterinarian out of UC Davis, and I assure you we'll have some great topic next Thursday at 2 p.m. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for tuning in. I hope you learned uh, something. hope you enjoyed the show. And I hope you turn it. And if you missed, if you signed in halfway through, this show will be archived within minutes after signing off. And all of our shows, all 1,120 of them are archived for your listening pleasure in the past. So you may want to go and listen to a show we did three years ago with a professor at UC Davis in California uh, where he walked us for two hours. He walked us through step-by-step. Unfortunately, no video. But he walked us step-by-step on the, ra- on the radio show through a necropsy, what to look for, what are they looking for, what are they – it was an amazing show. We've had some great ones. So, uh, hey, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you uh, next Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio.